Welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY, and you can find me at Tokyo Station Pens on Instagram or at TokyoStationPens.com. And my name is Jacob, and I'm a Fooder fan on Instagram, and I have a blog at FooderFan.com. Hello, my name is Cray, and you can find me on Instagram at MiraiCats. Hi, I'm Alisa, and you can find me as Inky Rocks on YouTube and Instagram. All right, welcome to episode nine.、Uh, this is exciting. This is exciting. This is the first time we've had、uh, four、uh, people on the podcast. I think it's, it's pretty cool. And of course, we're all here because we all went to the Wagner event last week. And so that will be the main topic of the discussion、um, for this week. But before that, we have some、uh, pretty interesting non Wagner acquisitions. So,、uh, you know, let, let's start from, from there. Jacob, do you have anything for us to, today? Something that you, you got outside of Wagner? Yeah, so I bought an old Sailor Prophet with a 14K nib. So, not a small one like on modern Pro Gear Slims, but actually a large 14K. So, what Sailor calls their Ogata size. Mm-hmm. Which they don't make anymore, as far as I know. So I found it on Yahoo Auctions for a very good price, an incredibly good, good price. It was actually cheaper than a Lamy Safari.、Um, the pen Excellent. Is, the pen is quite rusty, you know, especially the, the, you know, the rust ring, but, it's,、uh, but the nib is in a good condition and it's,、uh, it, it's, it, it writes well. So I, I stuck it on a Ranga pen and that works fine. But it's,、um, it's almost too smooth. It doesn't quite have that.、Um, Sailor feedback. That, you know, the pencil feedback. So I,、yeah. I do miss that. I may need your help to, to, to fix that. <laughs> All right, but you've got the broad, right? This is a broad, right? So there, it looks like there's enough tipping to do something interesting there. So I, right, I have、right. high hopes.、Yeah. And it makes sense for the broad to be more,、uh, more smooth as well. Yeah, that's true. That's、yeah. true. So,、um, on my side, I, I had several things.、Um, you know, the, the great thing about living in Japan and prowling these auction sites is that you always get these、um, well, not always, but from time to time, you get these really, really interesting vintage nibs that,、um, that are cheaper than, you know, as you say, a Lamy Safari.、Um, so, I got this,、uh, this nib, this vintage nib, and I believe it's actually from Sailor as well. But it has this. Uh, weird imprint on it that says, You're gratify. No. So <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but I do want to, to highlight that you often get these uh, English um, <laughs> inscriptions uh, on, on these pens, which I found particularly interesting. So it says, Superior 14K lifetime, your gratify, made in Japan P4. And、uh, I just thought that was a, kind of a cool nib. It actually looks very, very big, but in fact, it is、uh, suitable only for a size 5 pen. So I've stuck it on a Pelican M400、uh, nib unit for now. But let's see what I do with it. Might want to sell it, might want to keep it. I'm not sure yet. But it is quite a funny, funny nib. I think it's got a good story to tell. On top of that,、uh, I got. Um, I talked about the、uh, Super 500 last time, or previous times, but I was scouring the internet and I found another nib that looks to be a copy of the Super 500, which I posted on Instagram yesterday. It says Steady K14. And、um, thankfully, one of our friends on Instagram pointed out 
that uh, our other friend Bruno Todd has in fact a blog post about this particular nib and it seems it appears to be one of those uh, vintage um, Kabutoki Ginjiro Ooh. nibs that you see which uh, which was surprising because I got this uh, this pen at a very very reasonable price considering that um, and it's one of those true inlaid nibs kind of like the Schaefer Triumphs but the difference between these and the Schaefer Triumphs is obviously Triumph you can unscrew them and they come off but these are truly truly inlaid into into the the section and uh, you can see the comparison between the two nibs there and although this uh, steady nib is a bit smaller um, than the pilot one it's still very very beautiful and uh, and maybe I can uh, convince somebody to make me something custom out of this but who knows I just thought it was uh, it was quite interesting though that pilot when they made it as far as I understand they lost money making this uh this pen the super 500 so every super 500 that they sold they lost money um so it's interesting to me that a brand or a, a kind of a copycat manufacturer would copy the style considering how unprofitable it was even for pilot a, a much bigger company so you got a pen with, with a gk nib but this is not actually a bunny pen right because you typically associate mm. gk with with a with bunny trio Yes, so it's not a binary pen. Um, I'm not quite sure what it is. So uh, we'll link um, Bruno's blog post about this mm. uh, in the show notes. But it's a uh, it's a quite a funky funky little thing. Come comes in one of those classic pocket pen sized uh, pens that we used to see quite often here in Japan. And uh, I'll show you next time we see each other. But it's got these weird manufacturing defects like uh flaws defects i don't know what they are but uh but yeah it, it is it is very funky i think that's that's the the only way that i can really describe this nib very nice um then on top of that uh we went to wagner we'll talk about this uh, a little bit but we saw a nib that was quite interesting and inspired from that uh i have started to experiment with um making naginata's in a more diamond shape. You know how uh, naginatas are traditionally kind of a triangle shape, whether you look at it from the bottom or straight uh, straight uh, at it. But um, I've noticed that this diamond shape uh, facet that you can add on the top um, helps the sharpness of the nib, actually. Mm. So that, that's, a, that's a finding that I, I had uh, between last time and this time. And also, uh, Naginata nibs, they're of course lovely writers, but they're typically absolutely terrible for reverse writing. But this one isn't, right? Yes, this one is much, much better because uh, because I think maybe uh, it's a weird way to describe it, but the room forever is much less. Mm. And um, it's, it's quite, uh, let's say, extra, extra fine. Nice. And so I know that you got a pen actually just recently, and we're going to see actually a video being released before this podcast goes on air, but you got something very, very exciting. So, uh, so why don't you tell us about that? I got lucky and uh, a shoe kind of fell into my lap. I had, mm-hmm. it was totally unexpected. And uh, one of the reasons I got it was because I had selected a broad nib and, um, they're not very popular in Japan, which 
turns out to be a really good deal for me because uh, it turns out that the Platinum uh, 3776 Broad Nib is probably my favorite nib right now. And um, I know I'm going against the stream here, but I really, really like the pen. The um, pattern on it is a kind of Harlequin pattern and it's concave cut, which makes it really interesting. And um, yeah, like I'll have a video out by the time this comes out, but it, it, it turned out to be a little bit of an adventure because I got ink in weird places and, and had to take the cap apart and put it back together again. And well, that was interesting. Well, that's, a, um, that's interesting that you say that because um, a lot of internet um, pen friends, let's say, often ask, how does one disassemble a 13, uh, 3776 cap? Because a lot of them want to get this particular pen, Udashid. So um, there aren't a lot of disassembly. I, I would venture to say that there are no disassembly videos uh, on the internet because for the longest time, people didn't think it was possible. So can you talk us through how you did that? Yeah, especially since I, I wasn't filming it because I was panicking at the time. So um, I took one picture of the disassembled parts, but basically I just put it on low heat. And you could tell uh, on most of the 3776s, there's a, like a, an acrylic rod that goes up through the little Mount mm. Fuji nut. And that's attached to the cap with glue. Mm. And um, I just heated it up and then it it came off right? and then basically just, right. you know, wrench the little nut off and then okay. you pull the inner cap out from the bottom. So, um, so you, you took a kind of a heat source. So I, I guess in your case, it was a, uh, it was a hairdryer. Yeah. A hairdryer, yeah. low heat, low, you know, low yeah. fan. And only the, I think only the, the Shunke series has the Mount Fuji nut, but the regular, so the regular editions of the Platinum Century will have, uh, I think just the regular um, bolt, but I'd imagine that it were, would work in a very, very similar way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So do you think that you would need to uh, actually reapply glue onto the nut, or do you think it would just fit uh, as is, just by oh, no, screwing? The, the, the nut fits on just just as is. Okay, it, so um, you don't need to even re-glue it. No, the part you need to re-glue is the little bubble top, the little end cap. Okay, that, okay. that actually attaches to a little piece of plastic that sticks up through the nut. Okay, okay. That's and interesting. That's, you know, and if you take a look at all 3776s at the top, if you look right down on top of the cap, mm -hmm. there's like a darker circle. And sometimes the the glue, the glue job on it, it's not very good if you yeah. get up close and look at it. So that's the part you're kind of disconnecting and that you need to connect back with glue. But the nut itself just came off with a little wrench. And that's it. Mm -hmm. It was pretty straightforward. Wow. So, so you really like this pen? Yeah, I, I really do. I think because uh, if you really think about it, there aren't a whole lot of pens out there, especially demonstrator pens that have that much texture on it. Mm -hmm. You know, like the um, the Kawaguchi or some of the other, like the Nice, they all have like stripes or whatever. Right, but they having, have the chasing. Yeah. yeah, but having that much changes is, you know that much difference when you're looking at it even from the side it's not a smooth pen mm -hmm. it's a bumpy looking pen i just yeah. don't know other than the Ro roca uh what else has that right right and uh, I, I actually tried this pen in the store as well and um i thought it was very very light did you feel 
uh, a weight difference between that and your other 3776s? Um, actually, no. I, I felt like it was a... Actually, what really surprised me is that it came with a converter. And mm. I haven't had a converter with a, a platinum pendant for so long. Mm. And so when I pulled it out of the box, it felt really heavy because it had the converter on the inside. Mm. But okay, um, okay. taking the converter out or just compensating for the converter, it feels you know pretty much well like the rest of my... Okay, that, that must be why, because the one that I uh, had in my hand in the store didn't have a converter in it. Right, right. So that really does make a difference. Chrome-plated converter or, or a gold-plated? No, it matched the trim. It was a chrome, They matched it. It was a chrome-plated one. Okay, that's nice. I, I was just really surprised. So, Jacob, what do you think about this pen? I do like the pattern on the barrel, and, and we talked about the price before. I don't think, at least here in Japan, the price is... That high, I mean, compared to many other pens, especially since uh, Bung Box sells another parchment seller for even higher price, and people buy that in a heartbeat. So, yeah, I think think the price is reasonable, especially given what we talked about. You know, the secondhand market here, how people sell these um, rockas on Yahoo auctions or Mercari for even higher than, than the purchase price. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's an okay price, and it's a very beautiful pen. Uh, I quite like it. Yeah, speaking of the price, actually, um, I went to Motozen today, and again, I saw the Carnelian mm. on display, and I noticed something quite interesting in that the Carnelian wasn't really marked up, um, so it's uh, it's about twenty thousand Japanese yen, mm. uh, even being a limited edition, I guess, kind of reintroduced into the Japanese market. There wasn't uh, a special market for that, whereas this pen, the Shin is marked up into the U.S. market. So I think it really goes back even to our emergency episode that uh, I, I think the attribution of this uh, this markup must be to do with some kind of distributor um, relationship or distributor margins. Mm. Yeah, that's possible. That's definitely possible. Yeah. Okay, have you um, had the opportunity to, to take a look at this pen? Uh, only on uh, on pictures so and not in real life, but I, I had a whole series of uh, this limited uh, platinum uh, three seven seventy six. I tried to stay away <laughs> 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 to not get like you know you know my ability yeah. to collection stuff. So <laughs> from the first model, I was just like, this is there's no sparkling. I won't look at it. <laughs> it's not a sailor. <laughs> just close your eyes <laughs> and go. <laughs> so, Wait, but yeah. will you get the carnelian then? Mm, I'm not sure. I have only one um, platinum uh, three seven seventy six. Okay. It's the one they made the limited edition, I guess, from Kingdom Note, who is mm. like dark brown with very very small uh, sparkling. Mm-hmm. Maybe four years ago or three mm-hmm. years ago. So it's the only one. It's, I really enjoy it. But I, I try to not like uh, get deeper in in this. Into pla- uh, yeah. But you already have a Nakaya collection, so it's okay. Yeah, it's I have a Nakaya. Yeah, it's my my only pen who are not shining yet. <laughs> <laughs> yet. Yet. Yeah. And then speaking of Kingdom Notes, did you guys see the new Kingdom Notes releases? The the watermelon one. Uh yeah, so they have um now a release schedule. Okay. Um, from Kingdom Note. And it seems like they're going to be releasing a bunch of new Rialos onto the market, um, basically one after the other in fairly quick succession. And to me, that's that's quite interesting because it seems like, you know, we talked about this small batch run issue 
with uh with um with yeah. sailor but it seems that lots of uh lots of new small batch sailors are actually in fact coming out into the market so kingdom note has uh released uh this new one um just now this watermelon one as you say and i think they're going to release uh, another one uh next month and then the month after that too yeah they have this kind of series um every month or the one with the yeah. tail of genji was it yes yes yeah. yeah so how small of a batch are we talking about so i'm not sure actually um i guess it must be on their website but i i haven't really looked too much into it because i think sailor's um not not sailor uh, kingdom notes uh collaboration with sailor has all these funky colors that i'm not super into all yeah. the time the the one that i really liked was the kaoru but other than that i didn't really feel so um attached but this yadori is is still quite nice it's it's not as nice as kaoru but it's, it's still quite nice yeah yeah but i guess the the like like the um... The series of uh, Kyoko Shishikura-san is like between 50 and 90 piece per model. So I guess you can order quite small batches from Sailor, right? Yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's uh, it's going to be a problem for, for Sailor. Nonetheless, uh, a nice uh, addition from uh from sailor and who knows how long these can go right like who knows how many more of these store limited editions will come out yeah on the other hand uh nagahara-san um he's been quiet for a while but he's now doing a pen clinic at uh, nagasawa and kobe i think uh in a few weeks and uh, and also he's gonna plan to do one in tokyo yeah, so there's some news from, from Nagahara. So first of all, he has he has released his own uh, ink. And the ink is mm. called the Nib Shaper BBK. And, you know, the Nib Shaper, of course, is you know, the, the name of his nib grinding business. And BBK is blue-black. And this is a sailor ink. And it's made by their ink blender, Ishimaru-san. Is it a sailor ink? Yes. Um, how, did, how did you confirm that? Because he, he has released a YouTube video where he's talking about this ink and how it came about. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's made by Ichimura-san. And you can only buy this ink if you're getting a nib grind from Nagahara. At, at least that's the case for now. And But the story about behind this um, ink is kind of fun. So... Nagahara explained in this video how his uh, father, you know, Grandmaster Nobuyoshi Nagahara, he did pen clinics at one point. And he always mm-hmm. had this bottle of Sailor Blue. Because Sailor Blue was the ink he dipped pens in to test that they wrote as expected. So he got pens from customers to tune or repair. He cleaned mm-hmm. them. He did his tuning. And then he dipped the pen in Sailor Blue to test. But... Even though he cleaned the pens, there was always a little bit of residual ink left. Yes, yes. And course. that meant this bottle of Sailor Blue became something of an ink blend over time. Okay. And in particular, <laughs> it turned darker and became something of a blue-black. And they called that their pen clinic blue. And, <laughs> it is, yeah, and it is this pen clinic blue um, that is the inspiration for Nagahara's new blue-black ink. Very nice, Rui. So, I guess uh, you'll be getting one, Alyssa. (laughs) 
Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see him because I've got a I've got a special nib for him to to help me fix up. But um, but it's quite interesting also that he's these are sailor rings. Do you know if he's because he didn't leave sailor, uh, let's say, amicably with the management team. I've heard that there were there were some uh, disagreements. Uh, I'm not sure how serious that was, but but you're right that this suggests that they are on on um, at least talking terms. Yeah. yeah, and and more interestingly, I think it suggests that he's now their customer. Yeah, uh, I think that's a very very funny. Um, the tables have turned. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, so we are hopefully going to get a chance to get a nib grind by him later this month because on the 23rd and the 24th of this month, he's going to be at Bangbox in Otosando and doing nib, nib grinding. And Has then, any um, news come up on how to get a reservation yet? Not The only thing he has said is that it's going to be a reservation system and you can only get a 30-minute slot and he wants to make sure he can grind as many nibs as possible. So he he's going to try to, to talk less and grind more, he said. <laughs> oh, but um, three hours ago, Bungbox uh, opened up a reservation, so we need to uh, Hurry up. call them very soon. Hurry up, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, so they released this three hours ago, okay. Um, so I guess we'll be calling them tomorrow, and uh, they only accept the reservations uh, f- during their operating hours. So tomorrow at eleven o'clock, mm. uh, mark it in your calendars. But okay. but you can also um, get a nib grind from him online now. So he, as of last month, mm. or not on- online, but but the mail-in. So as of last month, he ex- he uh, accepts mail-in. Uh, order so you can go to his website and there's this google form you, you can fill out unfortunately at least for now this is only for japan and he says this is this is a combination of you know language difficulties and you know risks of shipping overseas so it's only for japan for now but you can um you can send your pens to him and get them ground good so um Who's uh, who's planning to go to the clin- pen clinic? I'm not sure yet. I probably will. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get on the on the reservation list. Yeah, let's just try to get the same time and then do what we did last time. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, in other news, um, we have some follow up about Sailor and Plus. Yes, so just a little bit of follow-up. So I noticed that PLUS issued a press release. So I had a look at that and there was some interesting information there. So, for example, it specifically said that the funds raised from the bonds would be used to expand Sailor's factory in Kure and to, mm. to invest in new equipment and also for new fountain pen product development. So that's exciting because mm. that means there's not just financing some, some existing debt, but they're actually doing some invest, investments, which is very exciting. Another thing in that press release that was interesting was that Sailor and Plus already today have an, an OEM deal, but it's not actually what you think. So it's not Plus you know, making sailor pens in their overseas factories. It's actually the other way around. Mm. So Plus is selling gel pens in China under their own brand. And those pens are actually made by sailor. 
So Sailor has a gel pen called like IC Liquid, which I've never heard of. I'm not sure if you guys have. And that pen is sold in China as Plus Aqualiner. So it's sort of the, the, the other way around, but that was an interesting bit, uh, bit of information in, in the press release. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, uh, and they also have their own Sailor pens and their own Sailor inks already in the market that I saw at Marizen earlier. So, you know, it's, uh, it's been a collaboration in the working. Mm. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I think for our main topic, uh, if that's all the news uh, from us, let's go into the main topic of Wagner. Because Wagner is one of the, I think, one of the largest uh, pen trading events that are centered around uh, vintage pens. Mm. So our friend, uh, our friend Bruno Tat, was uh, very, very disappointed at uh, Tokyo International Pen Show last year because it was basically all inks and uh, random stationary goods <laughs> without pens. But... This Wagner event, which is held several times a year, um, this pen trading, is almost uh, exclusively, I would say, a vintage pen trading with some modern stuff, but uh, it's mostly secondhand. You don't see vendors, mm. uh, as in uh, you don't see retailers there. Um, what what do we think about this uh, event? Can you tell us a bit about the history of it, Jacob? So what I know is that this particular um, event, this pen trading in Tokyo event, actually predates Wagner. They've been doing this for 20 years now. And mm. the original idea was came up from some um, online forum um, 20 years ago. Now it's sort of almost a, a Wagner event, even though uh, the, the big pen club in Western Japan, YY Pen Club, also participates. So Oyakata-san right. was there, as he, he usually is. Um, but yeah, you're right that this is mostly vintage focused, but I think in recent years you you have seen more and more of the, the new stuff. So for example, you have uh, you have ink blending, you have you know the deco kakuno, you have these pocket notebook workshops and so on. So there is there is both new and old, but, but I agree that it's mostly you know the vintage pen vendors. And uh it, as you say, it, it's been going on for, for quite some time. Um, and you can even see back to uh, legendary blogger Ross Stutler's yes. um, uh, blogs that it, it actually it's been quite vibrant um, the whole time. But it hasn't really grown, has it, in terms of numbers? That I'm not sure about. I've only been to two of these um uh, prior to this year to these events uh, i know that this is the, the, the bigger than the other wagner events and last year it was a three-day event um but I, i'm not sure if it, if, it, if it has grown or if it's um, more or less the same yeah i i feel like the number of people feels um the same i think the venue has gotten bigger though uh, I remember uh, they used to they used to do at um, the Ebis three hundred three mm. in Ebisu, which seemed to be a smaller venue. Whereas uh, they've now since moved to KFC, yeah. um, where they uh, where they host almost uh, all of those pen um, trading events. Um, but I think maybe this year in particular, 
due to coronavirus, we've had some uh, difficulties, I think, in attracting crowds yeah. uh, to come. So in general, the idea was that the capacity of the room was 140 and they wanted to limit, it, limit that to uh, 70 people yeah. at a time. So as a result, what happened was that uh, you could only uh, have 70 people in the room and you had to take these, uh, these uh, number cards. Um, and, uh, and you take these cards in and if you want to go to the bathroom or whatever, you, you give them to the receptionist and then you go and then you come right back. Otherwise, uh, re-entry was not uh, was not permitted. Mm. Um, but I noticed that actually um, not a lot of people went right. uh, to begin with. So actually, the cards were never fully um, given out. Yeah. So you had a quite a big space that was not full of many people. And on top of that, I noticed that a lot of the um, tables. Uh, were not filled by vendors and i'm not sure like what happened but uh i think the day before or something um mr mori wrote on his uh on his blog saying oh and pentanote's gonna come you know that pentanote so if he's gonna come i'm sure that there's going to be some rare pens up for Mm -hmm. sale and then we go there and you know it's it's largely quite a disappointing table i think and only one model of pen and uh and the Bauhaus lami and uh, and nothing else so it, it looked to me that that was a very last minute arrangement and it seemed that the vendors uh you know they were put together quite last minute um without a lot of uh, planning that went into it yeah absolutely especially pentanote as you said it seemed as if they came there in the rush they had they brought some some realos and and not much else uh, other than that you had you know you had only the regulars that go to all of these wagner events you had more san for example you had the tomoko and uh, you have a uda you have um oyakata mr pilot and so on but the, yeah but i think that the idea was that you could have at, at most um 20 vendors and 50 attendees in total but we were as you say nowhere near that well so what did you think about uh about wagner well it was definitely under you know under attended and i think it was definitely a result of the whole covid thing so i think i came in maybe 15 20 minutes after it started and i think i was number 20 and i think maybe only you came afterwards it was pretty you know, there was no problem on social distancing or whatever. And um, they're a lot more strict than I think um, a lot of other um, get-togethers, maybe in the States or whatever. But I mean, they took your temperature. They made you use hand sanitizer. I mean, and you had the card. And mm. um, so I thought it was, you know, really well handled that way. But as far as I just think a lot of people stayed away. Yeah, and I think this is uh this is probably going to be a preview of what we see at the Tokyo Pen Show. If it goes, yeah. Yeah, if it goes. I so... still don't know. I still don't know if I agree that it's going to go because it's looking like people are already talking about another SOE again. Yeah, um, that uh, and also you know I think you know, international pen show they they've they've contracted I think some international vendors too who will definitely not be coming. Yeah. But 
you know, it's still in uh, November. It's a ways away. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed that it can happen, but in a safe, uh, safe way. And I think this was a quite a good um, indicator of how it could be run. Mm. Although I yeah, wouldn't say it's absolutely, perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, but I've also I also noticed uh, last week at Wagner in particular something that I didn't notice before. So when you go to Wagner gatherings or um, events, you know they have these uh, regular what they call teirekai, which are mm. kind of like regular meetings that they have every couple weeks. One thing that you'll notice is that um, there are no women at Wagner, and uh, and there are no young people at Wagner either. Oh, and and then there are certainly no foreigners other than us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that's always um, stuck out at me. I think it's one of the reasons why uh, when I go to Wagner, uh, most of the time I don't really feel comfortable because it's a, it's a bunch of uh, um, elderly gentlemen. Ochi-san. Yeah, you know, it's an old boys club. It's an old boys club, and they've they've known each other as, as Jacob, as you said, for twenty years. Yeah. Uh, you know, they hung out drinking buddies and it's the it's the pen gang of uh, 1970 yeah. maybe yeah, exactly exactly so it's us in 20 years <laughs> yeah um but this time i noticed that despite there being less people than usual at the trading event i noticed actually a lot more um, younger women mm. at the show mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to spend some time also talking about the changes in demographics because obviously you know I- I'm a relatively younger um, patron but still a uh, a male so it's not that out of place for me but I want to get uh, Melissa and I want to get your thoughts on um, being a lady in the the Japanese pen scene, especially when you go to these events and you don't see so many women um, at the table, and whether you you see there being a change, or, and did you notice the same thing as me that there were a lot of uh, younger ladies at the at this event this time? Yeah, I compared to to the the last year Wagner event I went. I think I went I went the first time exactly one year ago. Um, I, I feel the change in the. Um, like in the people who were like there was UEDA, but I didn't see her last time. But maybe I'm, I I miss her because it's two or three days, so sometimes not the they they are not there the three days the vendors, and um, and maybe because some of the table were selling inks, mm. like there was this Tono and Lim uh, new release for Lish Top, and the, um, we met this woman from Deep Aqua. Who made um, two inks with Tono and Limbs too? So maybe as they they publish on their website, maybe the the um, non usual customer were more interested mm-hmm. in these uh, inks, and then all these pen a pen case, pen um, a silk pen case, all these no- um, handmade notebooks. So I guess it's not only fountain pen, not only f- vintage fountain pen, but all the accessories are mm-hmm. on stationery. Maybe it will uh, help the customers to get more diversified as we talk about this at the Tokyo Pen Show where the main customer is the young woman to the housewife, mm-hmm. 50, like mother, shufu mm-hmm. people. Like 
maybe it will open it a bit. But I, I, rem- I remember the first time I visited Wagner, I felt a little bit out of, of um, out of place. Um, how to say? Yeah, out of place because uh, uh, I was lucky that uh, Jakob was there, <laughs> so I knew someone <laughs> who speak Japanese <laughs> because. Every table they speak with me only in Japanese and they look at me like, are you stupid or what? Why don't you answer? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I, I just arrived maybe two months in Japan and I was like, oh, it will be a very difficult <laughs> one. <laughs> but what is fun is like all the tables, they remember me now. <laughs> it's like, oh, she's the, she's the looking Japanese but not speaking Japanese girl. So yeah, it's me. <laughs> So this is very fun because they always say, oh, I can make a discount. I remember you. I remember you from last time. So yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> but yeah, this is my... Uh, but um, yeah, it, it changed a bit. Slowly, but it mm. changed a bit. So what do you think? Um, I agree with what uh, Kwe is saying. Um, when I first went to Wagner, I felt like maybe I was Jacob at the Ink Swamp or something. Just really uh, stuck out. <laughs> And um, definitely there was like, what are you doing here kind of feeling. But I think a lot of that isn't so much being, oh, you know, being a woman or anything. I think it was just mainly just not being a a regular member. Mm -hmm. But um, I think, I don't know if it is going to open up more. I think it's very telling that Jacob came away without a pen. He bought an accessory and I came away with just buying ink and I didn't buy a pen. So there was definitely more offerings there to, you know, to entice people who aren't just strictly mm-hmm. into vintage pens. But I think it's going to be a little bit of a tough sell because um, that 2,000 yen entrance, if you're going to buy a 2,000 yen bottle of ink, you're already paying 2,000 to get in. So that's going to be a little bit tough. But I think if they want to have more people actually buy more things, they are mm-hmm. going to have to look toward non-vintage pens and incorporate that too. And I think, like you said, the Tokyo International Pen Show really showed that, that people are interested in a wider array of tangential things to fountain pens. Mm. So you both uh, said, you know, as uh, me as well, um, you know, when we first went to, to these Wagner events, it was kind of uncomfortable also because you know, we were not, um, and, and maybe are not regulars that participate in the kind of Twitter chat and stuff. But after, um, you know, after a few years now going, how how do you feel? Um, do you do you feel that there's a difference in the way that they talk to you now? Um, Alessa, particularly, you said that um, you kind of got the "what are you doing here" vibe. Do you still feel that when you go? Um. Not really. I think I'm just like wasted. I'm the one that, you know, bumps into people and asks them all kinds of questions. So, mm. yeah, um, that's kind of like how they've classified me. And, and I'm kind of a regular. So, like I said, I think a lot of it is just that they've seen me often enough now that yeah. that they're a little more willing to talk to you and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you've been to uh, U.S. pen shows too, right? So how right. does that... Uh... How, what what's the difference? Do you, do you feel like there's a, there's some similarities there? Not really. Well, I mean, of course, it's a pen show, but right. with Wagner, I feel like all the vendors and all the people that go regularly all kind of know each other, and they mm-hmm. may go out and do something. But just like we did this last one, we all went out and had lunch. It wasn't right. like we associated with anybody that was actually you know tight with the Wagner Club. 
we kind of did our own thing. But when you go to, you know, pen shows in the States, man, it's just like everybody kind of mixes in and talks and, you know, it's the, the, it's not so delineated as a, as a club and you're coming to a club meeting, you're coming to a pen hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and Jake, when did you start visiting Wagner? I think the first time was 2017, and I think the only there was only one guy there who looked like a foreigner, and I w- walked up to him and I brought up on my phone um, Bruno's blog, and I asked, "Are you the guy writing this blog?" And yes, that was him. <laughs> <laughs> Great, amazing! And then that's how you met uh, Mr. Bruno yes. Tout. Yeah, I, I met I met Bruno for the first time at at Wagner too. You introduced me to him. Ah, Jacob. yes, yes, remember? Yeah, yeah. I think the first time I went to a Wagner event was last year's um, uh, February meeting. Before I met all of you, and actually I remember because um, because Jacob, you posted on Reddit about your Wagner adventures, and I think I I asked you like three times. You know, what is this? Uh, where where are you going? And then you kind of um. You linked me out to uh, to Morisan's blog, right. and I, uh, I I checked it out, and then I went. I remember seeing you and Bruno talking to Mister Pilot, mm. um, but I didn't come up and talk to you because I didn't. You know, we've never met in real life. Um, but now going back, I, I certainly recognize a lot more uh, a lot more members, and um, and it's interesting uh, to see. I think particularly for me, oh, this vendor brought this thing again. Um, and ah. this hasn't sold yet. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, that's always funny uh, for me to see. Um, and I think to, to what you two said, the, the most popular tables uh, at last week's um, event were the, I, I don't know her name, but the, the lady with all the red pens. Uh, I don't know her name yes. too. The first table. Yeah, she was very popular, I think, because she was at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, we had um, uh, Tomoko Lichtop. Um, her table was quite popular because she had those two um, Tono Limbs inks and Mr. Yeah. Pilot. Yeah. One thing that uh, that was not so popular was Mr. Mori's table. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but. Not too many people went to look at his pens. Uh, he was selling. Was he the one who who sell the limited edition of Tono and Lim only if you yes. buy the pen? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I yeah. think if you went there the first day, you had to buy a pen to get the ink. But on the second day, yeah, he told me. He said, to- "Come back tomorrow." I was like, "No, I'm not there. I'm not here tomorrow." <laughs> yeah, uh, Jake, what did you think yeah. about the pens? He had a lot of Taiwanese pens. I, f- I find that interesting. So we know from before that he ha- has this collaboration with Fine Writing International, but also has Penlux. He had uh, some, uh, Laban pens. I think there was another uh, Taiwanese brand that I'm, I'm forgetting now. He also had his pens that he had done his own lacquer on, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how well they sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only went like once, twice to his table, and they look interesting. Um. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> also, did you see the pens? Yeah, I just kind of glanced at them pretty quick, but I was kind of on an ink hunt. <laughs> so, uh, so no, the brass uh, lacquered pens didn't do it for you? No, lots of times, a lot of them, you know, you look at them, 
on the blog ahead of time and I just really wasn't that fired up about any of them. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've bought more pens from uh, Morrison than from any other from anyone else at Wagner up until now. So I bought several fine writing pens and I bought several of these uh, Wagner three seven seven six pens. Um, most of them are, are sold now, but but I bought many pens from him. But, but it's also f- fun to talk to Morrison. He's actually, I mean, we we, we keep uh, you know in, in a friendly way we keep bashing him, but he's actually very friendly to talk to, and he knows a lot and he's, he's happy to share his knowledge so i, I do enjoy talking to him mm-hmm. he seems really fun yeah he's uh he's he's a funny guy as well so one more thing i just want to mention one more thing about wagner that i thought was interesting so i went to pentanotes table and i got a chance to talk to them a little bit and i asked about any other uh, because they didn't have any pens to sell i was asking if they're gonna release any more pens soon and they gave me some interesting information that i explicitly got permission to to tell and and that's they're going to release two at least two new pens uh, later this year so they're going to do one more sailor i think it was a real but i may have misremembered but the other thing that's more interesting is they're going to do a custom pilot pen so the base model is going to be pilot custom heritage 912 but it's going to be with, with various pentanote customizations mm. and we talked in the past about how pilot doesn't do many you know special editions like store exclusive and collaborations so i'm looking forward to see what comes out of this yeah especially i think um store collaboration from pilot as you said is not so common mm. Uh, I think it mm-hmm. will be be quite interesting because Pentanota is also known for making quite interesting pens, even with uh, with Sailor. Mm-hmm. I think among the special editions of Sailors, Pentanotas are certainly one of the most popular ones. We're looking forward. We are. So, I think uh, it's the most exciting part of the podcast. What did you buy? <laughs> <laughs> so, Jacob. So I only bought a pen wrap this time. So there's this small shop. There's a one-person one um, shop called uh, Ping, Penguin Caban. And they make mm-hmm. these handmade um, pen cases and pen wraps. I bought a nice uh, leather pen wrap that uh, I really like. Um, but yeah, that was the only, there was nothing else really that I found that interesting. Mostly because I can find usually better prices on Mercari or Yahoo Auctions. At least for me because... I'm usually looking for it depends in terrible conditions because that's kind of fun, <laughs> but also because <laughs> I'm buying a standard you know, standard production model, so just a plain vanilla Montblanc 146 and not some exotic you know special writer's edition that a lot of people want. So I usually find mm-hmm. better prices online, um, which is why I rarely buy from you know Mr. Pilot's table and so on. So I, I only got a pen wrap this time. Can you uh, talk a bit about the difference between Yurie and uh, Penguin? Because I think a lot of people in the West know about Yurie's pen wraps uh, with her association with the YY Pen Club. And uh, and she's, I think, the one that's actually helping YY sell these pens outside of Japan. But not so many people are familiar with Penguin. Yeah, so the, the design is a bit different. So Yurie is more about this kimono fabric. They, they I mean, the pen cases look... Um, they're very elegant, but they're not the kind of pen cases that you would. Uh, you feel like you want to be very, very careful with the pen cases because because they're, they're so so pretty. At least the uh, this leather 
pen wrap I got from Penguin Caban, they look looks a bit more um, rugged. That's something I, I can more use as an EDC pen case. And I think that's true in general with uh, Penguin Caban's um, pen cases. They, they're not. They, they look more EDC friendly to me. Mm-hmm. And what about uh, what about you, Quay and Alyssa? Do you have any of these pen cases, either Yuri or Penguin? Quay does. <laughs> a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did it. You you sounded kind of jealous there. <laughs> I was like looking, but I had ink to buy. <laughs> I think Alicia has a, a particular Sakura in, in her head, and she didn't have the. UDA didn't have the Sakura yeah, fabrics yeah. with her. So it will be uh, for later yeah. online order or something, or next, next uh, yeah, pen yeah. show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, what did you get? So I uh, two years ago, I ordered um, my, my first uh, pen wrap uh, with UDA. It was a big uh, seven pen wrap, and I ordered online. So I was uh, in Tokyo, mm-hmm. but I, I, we didn't meet. I choose the fabrics by by picture, and uh, so then the, this weekend was the first time we met in person, and she was really nice because uh, Alicia helped me for the translation because I I I couldn't answer very well in Japanese, and she was really nice because um, she 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 thanks for all the like on Instagram and the way I, I share my picture and everything, and she she gave me one um, she made a small. Um, uh, lucky, lucky charm, like um, what do you call that? Like a um, a small bowl like a dongle, um, maybe the dongle or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, in red, and she she gave it to me. She said that she guessed it will go very well with my my pen wrap because it's bigger than the mm. the red marble that she attached to it, and uh, it was a very nice touching gift. And then I told her that I want to make one one pen case for for just one from ten pen. And so, so I choose the fabric and everything, and uh, she will send it to me by post uh, as soon as she finishes it. But she, yeah, she's a very uh, smiling lady, and it was very nice to to see her in real life. And then mm-hmm. I, so this is one of my purchases. And then with the help of Bruno Tote, I I got a, a vintage pilot uh, capless, but it's a very very funny model. It's it's not like the um, typical. Uh, capless when you press you press the end button to to release the nib it's um it's mm. a model from 1968 late 1968 and um it has a sliding mechanism so you you there's a small button mm-hmm. on the um, clip and when you press it with the gravity mm-hmm. uh the nib like a small do- the small door will open and then the nib will fall down and so to to hmm. to how say to to cap the pen, <laughs> you have to press the button again and 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 mm-hmm. stand the pen so the nib will will slide uh, again in inside the pen. So there is an article on mm-hmm. Bruno Tote uh, blog about this uh, C two thousand fifty SS model. I will I will give you the link. Mm-hmm. So I was re- I was really happy with this pen because. Uh, um, I love the Pilot uh, Capless Vintage, but there are so many models, so many colors. I don't want to to get lost in this <laughs> new collection. <laughs> so I'm happy to find one or two a very special model, but I won't get all the colors and all the all the 
plating and everything. And then with Alicia, we got some inks, but I will I will leave this to Alicia so she can share. <laughs> um, actually, I was quite surprised because I had said before that Tono and Limbs is taking over Japan, and, and it's true. I think every ink that was being sold there, I don't know, was um, Mr. Mori's ink um, also from Tono Limbs? Yeah. Yes. And I yes. got you know the same two that um, Quay got for like Trope and. But what was really interesting, what she had addressed was Deep Aqua. And I think it's just basically a lady that just commissioned two inks. And uh-huh. I mean, that's just amazing. I mean, she just kind of, maybe we should do an ink with Tono and Limbs. Because uh, of just every ink that was um, being sold there was uh, some sort of collaboration. And then I think she just decided she wanted to sell a couple of inks. And she made this ink called, uh, I think, Winter Morning. And it's really mm-hmm. pretty. So um, it, it is mm-hmm. true. They're, they're taking over Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that um, uh, retailers really like to uh-huh. work with Tonal Limbs because mm-hmm. they do a lot of small batch stuff. So you can uh, you can get them fairly easily. Yeah. And, they, and they allow glitters and shimmering yeah. inside the ink, which, which Sailor doesn't. Yeah, they'll do anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. they've got that one that's a pigment and a shimmer, and it's still in my uh, preppy, and it's still working yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. It's been about a month now. So, <laughs> um, I got, I think maybe uh, the most pens. <laughs> so I got, <laughs> I got um two, nineteen seventy one uh, caplices. So these caplices are interesting because uh, they are mostly metal. So online you'll find these uh called the metal stripe uh metal stripe caplices and you'll recognize um these stripes from the muse because um most of the muse out on the market are the stainless steel muse right you've seen those before but um there are also models of muse that are black striped and then there are also ones that are white stripes. So the white striped ones are, are relatively rare, um, and the black stripe ones are more common. But they also did this black stripe uh, model on the capless. And uh, so I got a black stripe uh, for me and a white stripe uh, for a friend. And these matching uh, matching caplices, uh, vanishing points, uh, as they're called in the Western market. These caplices are quite interesting. Um, you know, capless designs have gone through many iterations. Uh, we'll link Bruno Taut's uh, blog, but he he's a great resource on caplices. Um, as uh, as Koi said, you got the gravity um, capless, and I think this uh, came a bit after the gravity one. And several differences that it has to the modern capless. Um, first of all, the cone of the nose unscrews. So, uh, so the the clip unscrews uh, off the barrel, which uh, might make this a Urushi candidate for me. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. And uh, and then the the back kind of barrel is uh, is fully metal, and it's really uh, really quite interesting. the The threads are metal on on um, on plastic, and the nib units are different. So the modern nib units are actually just a little bit shorter 
I think, than the vintage ones. At least when I put a modern uh, nib unit into into the capless, the uh, when I click the pen out, it doesn't fully come out, so uh, it's a bit short. Oh, really? Yeah. But what I've done is I've taken. Um, I don't know if you are aware, but caplesses usually come with uh, with the nib unit, and on the nib unit, there's this uh, there's this metal. Um, how do I say it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, cartridge cover. Yep. Yeah. So I found out that in fact the cartridge cover is different because the new ones, the modern ones, are kind of friction fit, but in the vintage ones, there's this stopper uh, in the in the in the in the back cover, and if you attach this um, back cover, if you use this vintage back cover. It actually extends the nib unit so that it's long enough to use a modern um, nib unit inside this uh, this capless. Mm. So I've got my modern um, SU, uh, Rhodium SU, which I bought from GouletPens.com, and uh, and I have that in my capless right now. And I have to say, um, this is probably my favorite model of capless. Uh, it's <laughs> It's just incredibly well done. And, you know, the logo is kind of coming off. But other than that, it's really such a sturdy pen. You wouldn't have imagined that this was made uh, now 50 years ago. Yeah. So so that's really, really, I think, quite incredible um, in terms of how long-lasting. I mean, this clearly looks retro, but it also looks a bit futuristic at the same time. And uh, and yeah, it's really incredible the the design language of Pilot and and how strong it was um, back in the seventies and the eighties. And I hope they bring this kind of design language back to the market. Yeah. Yeah. One story though that I have with this Capless um, when I bought it from Mister Pilot was that the white one had a clicker that worked fine. You can hear it, right? The black one didn't click very well, and I noticed it at um, at Mr. Pilot's table, but I bought it anyways. <laughs> well, what I didn't realize was that um, the pen was uh, was unsalvageable because the spring. So how capitalists work? I mean, for everybody who's used a ball pen with a click, um, you, you've kind of seen the way that uh, the mechanism is, and it's exactly the same in this pen. But the spring that was attached to the capless, uh, to the knock, actually rusted and and got twisted in a way that um, it kind of fell off the mechanism and it snapped in three pieces. So when you click, nothing happened because there was not a long enough spring um, to, to, to effectuate the click. So... I brought it to the the Pilot HQ, and usually Pilot HQ is quite good. Um, I heard from uh, from other people that they're pretty good at doing repairs if they have parts. So bring this to Pilot HQ, and they said we had no parts. And I said, okay, can you disassemble the knock for me? And they're like, no, because uh, because it's fit in there so that it will never come out. And so I was very, very disappointed because I'd spent a lot of money on this pen. 
And uh, and I was thinking of uh, maybe asking some custom pen maker to help me make a new knock or, or something along those lines. And then I realized I had a uh, vintage faceted um, capless uh, that had a crack. So, you know, what do I do? I, I ripped the knock <laughs> off of that one. Uh, and then I, I cut the original knock from this um, pen out of the out of the barrel and uh, and I fit the other knock into this pen and it works quite well. Yeah. You can hear the click now. Yeah, very satisfying. So I'm very happy with this repair job. Uh, I'm very <laughs> relieved actually with this repair job. Now I actually have functioning pen. But um, but yeah, that that's uh, that's my spoils of war from from Wagner. That was the picture you had, like the the spring pieces all over the place, right? Yeah, that was the picture. It was ugly. Yeah, so we'll link the picture to the show notes. <laughs> and uh, in case anybody wants to to restore a capless, uh, make sure you save your yeah. old cracked caplesses. All right. Um, so we haven't done listener questions in a while, so maybe we can do some listener questions. Sure. Okay. Um, I think this is uh, this is quite timely for our our podcast uh, this week, and uh, we got a shout out from uh, the pen addict uh, last week. So really, thank you to Brad and Mike for for referencing our show. Um, in fact, this uh, this week's listener question comes uh, from a reference from the pen addict. So Greg, reference from the pen addict, asks. Thanks for the podcast. It is very informative and provides insights to the Jap- Japanese market not normally available to the U.S. It's a great job. If I were to time my vacations to hit the major pen shows in Japan, when should I be looking to schedule that, assuming that COVID-19 is no longer an issue? Are there major pen shows outside of Tokyo? Yeah, so... I think it's easier nowadays because if you, if there's only one event you can you you can go to, then that will be Tokyo International Pen Show. I would say, unless you're very much into vintage, in which case you know the the pen trading event, which is normally around uh, May or around Golden Week, so so May June. I think outside Tokyo there are a few events uh, around the, uh, the the Kansai area. So I know that in the, the retailers there they have various events, and then also YY Pen Club have their YY Pen Day. And I think it's I think uh, this year's one is actually this month. I can't remember exactly when. Um, but, but but yeah, the short answer is that if there's only one, I mean, yeah, I mean, if there's only one event you you can go to, it should be Tokyo Pen Show, which in this this year is like November. I, I I would actually disagree with you on that, Jacob. I think if there's one pen show that you should go to, it should be the Kobe pen show. Mm. Because uh, yeah, because that one is actually um, also pen oriented, but they have various different and interesting uh, people that go, such as for example, Pen BBS shows at that one. I think it's it might be the only show that Pen BBS um, shows up. And you yeah, can, they're actually coming to Tokyo this year, though. Are they? Yeah. Yeah, but um, but I, I think there it's interesting because they have also um, a lot of shops, shop exclusives that you wouldn't necessarily find in Tokyo. I think some of the best uh, best shop exclusives come out of Kobe, come out of Osaka. You know, there's Morita, there's Nagasawa. Um, and 
it also gives you a good opportunity to to see something outside of Tokyo, and you know Tokyo can always let's come back. Tokyo is going to be Tokyo, but these uh, other smaller uh, stores, as we've often mentioned on this show, um, they usually carry some very very interesting uh, interesting products that kind of force you to leave Tokyo. But both of those, I think, are are you know great destinations if you can't make it. And I think Kobe uh, is usually in August. I think I want to say yes, and that's separate from YY. Yeah. Uh, said, do you have any recommendations for for our listener? Um, if you if you happen to come like like um, just for one event and you still want to shop more, there's still Mercari and Yahoo auction, <laughs> 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 which is all year round. <laughs> <laughs> all year round. All right. <laughs> and actually, I would add in that just from a different point of view, is it, there is no set time, but if you can find out ahead of time that there's another Ink, Ink, Ink with Itoya mm. or another mm-hmm. Inkanuma, that there just is nothing like that in the world. So you can go to different pen shows and things, but I just don't think there's any any ink shows anywhere. And, and the point. amount of ink they have is just mind-boggling. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a really, really great Ink point. and paper. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, um, Bunga Joshi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's go into our next question. Um, AJ from Instagram asks us, "Your thoughts on Midori notebooks and their popularity in Japan?" Question mark. I prefer it over Tomoe River, but seems like it's just not discussed a lot compared to other uh, Japanese paper. Um, I use both. It's 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 dependent of the ink. I will say it's dependent of the of the um, wideness of the pen and the inks you're using, but Midori react very well with the fountain pen inks. Mm-hmm. Just that the um, the sheen of certain ink or the the shade won't be as um, how to say vivid mm-hmm. than with Tomoe River. Mm-hmm. But Midori is a very good uh, like for my daily use. I I have a lot of Midori notebooks and and um, journals and. It's uh, it's a very good paper. Yeah. What about uh, what about the others? Do you use Midori? Well, I've I've used it in especially when I was living in Hawaii because that was accessible. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I prefer Grafilo and Tomoa River mainly mm-hmm. not so much for what other people like it for. I just like it because it's not coded, and Midori is just a little too coded for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And Jacob, what do you think? So I really like Midori paper because it has a bit of a texture. It feels very pleasant to write on. But I would say it's actually quite popular here in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you find the regular MD notebooks in many stores. And then obviously you have mm-hmm. the Traveler's Notebook, which I guess not everyone realizes is Midori MD paper. Mm-hmm. But then also you have uh, Midori planners that are, that are sold mm-hmm. in many bookshops and stationery stores in Japan. And they also use Midori MD papers. So I would say that Midori MD paper is fairly popular in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to add here that uh, kind of like plus Midori 
uh, most people might not realize it's actually part of a huge company. It's as part yeah. of a company called DesignFill, uh, who specialize mm-hmm. in making notebooks. So the plotters that we talked about previously, um, MD, Knox, uh, they're all owned by by DesignFill. So Midori yeah. comes mm-hmm. from a line from a family of paper manufacturer uh, or notebook manufacturers that are very very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. uh, actually. Um, on a different point of view from us, I, I think that actually Midori is less coded than uh, than Tomoe River. Oh, really? Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, in terms of uh, how it f- feels, uh, to me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually the problem for me. It's not that I like the coding. For example, I think Rodia is too much and Grafilo. I uh, haven't had too much experience with Grafilo, but um, when I did, I remember it was super coded. I wasn't like uh, a fan of that. And especially null refill, I hate that paper because it's oh, so coded. Yeah, well, that's just something <laughs> totally different. Yeah. It's not paper. But, yeah, it's plastic, right? But um, The ink never dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but Midori, I think the issue with me and Midori is not so much the effect of the ink on the paper, but that it absorbs my hand oils. Oh. So ah, yeah, you yeah, said. when I... um. When I write on the top, it's it's perfect, and then once I get to the bottom of the sheet, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it kind of absorbed my hand oils, and and I can feel, uh, I can see that ink is uh, feathering a bit on the bottom, and mm. that really bothers me. And that's uh something that has never happened to me with Tomoe River. That's why I like Tomoe River so much. Mm-hmm. But most, I would say, um, Midori is probably more popular. In Japan, mm. yeah. Tomoe yeah. River is not yeah. very popular. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah. It's not that popular. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, it's kind of a side tangent, but um, you know, Tomoe River is uh, changing manufacturers, and apparently, the new one is not the same. Yeah, yeah I think you you talk about that in one of the first, um, right? Yeah, we talked about it in uh, one of the previous podcasts, but mm-hmm. apparently, um, the new Tomoe River has uh, started to come out into the market and apparently it's it's not a I don't want to say it's not as good but apparently it's not the same okay we need to test yeah. it yeah so I've stocked up on my Tomoe River notebooks I have I, I heard that and then I went out and bought three at Marazen <laughs> yeah and we'll see how uh, Hobonichi because they use Tomoe River for their yes for their journal so we'll yeah. see how it will change mm-hmm. All right, um, I think last question, and then we wrap it up. Okay. All right, so uh, Marcus from, again, the Pen Attic Podcast. Thank you so much. Hi, CY and Jacob. I am a first-time commenter and listener since the first episode. I have a question. If I want to get into adjusting nibs, no grinding, what kind of equipment and educational resources are out there? I look forward to your discussion. Yeah, that's a question for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I picked this question uh, for me. But before I go into it, um, have you tried to kind of tune and adjust your own nibs without grinding? Well, I basically do um, adjust my own nibs. And then when I mess it up, I give it to you. <laughs> I, I only grind my nibs when I was in school to make it fatter. <laughs> like what? <laughs> <laughs> With the, some sandpaper. <laughs> yeah. What about Jacob? Do you uh, do you ever venture into adjusting your own nibs? So the only thing I would do is uh, I would uh, adjust 
I will make sure that the tines align and I will use some, some brass shims sometimes to, to mm-hmm. uh, adjust mm-hmm. ink flow and, and remove some uh, paper fibers or whatever. But th- that's the extent of it. I have tried before, I can't remember what I did, but, but it didn't end well. So, so <laughs> I, I, I stick to my brass shims. <laughs> So um so where did you get the the resources and you know how how did you get the idea to use brass shims or, or adjusting where did you where did you kind of look to when you were trying Oh I think in my case that must have been the pen habit mm-hmm. those YouTube videos and then I went to to Tokyo hands and and got some brass shims Mhm Alyssa, you have any uh hints for our our listener well i think you know just looking at different things on youtube and uh, i think the goulet pens has their big instructional thing i don't know if it's so much about adjusting your nibs but i think i started there and then went on to like you know pen tooling and stuff like that mm-hmm. so but it's just from being around everybody else and they start doing stuff and you just kind of mess with it too <laughs> Yeah, I, I think those are super, super good suggestions, especially I, I would suggest everybody who's interested in adjusting their nibs to go uh, watch the uh, the Pen Habit series. Oh, Matt does a very, um... very good job uh, on that. Uh, I've also watched the Goulet um, series as well, and that's also also very, very good. So before you, you think about touching your nibs, go watch those two series. Um, it, it's very good. So you'll find them at the pen habit on, uh, on YouTube, uh, Matt since retired from doing pen videos, but still his, uh, his work remains on the internet. So that's, uh, we're all thankful for that. Um, and then of course, Goulet as well. After you watch the, those videos, you should go to Richard Binder's website and, uh, and see his PDF on, uh, on nibs. And, uh, and he has a whole document about um, different ways that you can tune uh, the nibs. So, so go look at that document. Uh, and then, you know, I think the, the most efficient way is to just try it. And you're going to fail a few times, but, but try it. Um, try to imagine the shape of, a, of the nib. And, you know, it's, I, I've said this uh, to Lisa, I think you mentioned on your videos, but you know, a fountain pen is a machine. So think about how this machine should work. Uh, think about how the nib should look like. And uh, it's physics. This really is just uh, just physics. So think about um, how the tipping would touch the paper and how that would uh, affect the ink flow on the paper. And, you know, try to see if your theories work. And some will and some won't. Uh, but unless you try, you will never know. And see why? I assume you would recommend that people start with steel nibs, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, start with steel nibs. Unless you're me, then you would uh, then you would destroy fourteen k nibs. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, but um. Do you own any steel nibs? Me? Yeah. I, you mean do I have them in pens or do I own any? Well, do you own any? Do you do you? You've yeah, never there's some steel nibs. There's some steel nibs in my house. I just take them out of my pen. Oh. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I didn't think you you actually wrote with any, do you? No. <laughs> so so yeah, I think uh, <laughs> yeah, go buy some gin house. Go buy some gin house, and uh, and they're great to practice. Or can writes. Um, that's very interesting as well. 
Um, otherwise, I think at shows that Binder goes to, you can take a workshop from him as well. All right, so I think that's a wrap, guys. Uh, we had a great episode. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Um, that's uh, been the episode. My name is CY. You can find me at TokyoStationPens.com or on Instagram at TokyoStationPens. And my name is Jacob, and I am Fudafan on Instagram, and I have a blog at Fudafan.com. Thanks again for having me. My name is Cray, and you can find me on Instagram at MiraiCat. And thanks for having me. I'm Elisa Inky Rocks on YouTube and Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been great, great guests. Uh, I think the discussion was really, really interesting, especially the different perspectives that uh, you bring. So thank you very much. For the listeners, if you can help us comment, uh, subscribe, review, that really, really helps us with outreach and uh, reaching uh, more people. Um, and if you want to have a discussion about this episode and find the show notes, go to tokyoinklings.com. And, uh, and that will be in the show notes as well. But with the detailed um, links and stuff, you, will, you can find everything at tokyoinklings.com along with all of our show notes from the past episodes. So thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye.